This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, how do you start over? Annalisa Onrile, professor of social work at the USC Suzanne Dwarak Peck School of Social Work, tells us how to hit the reset button on your career, mentality, and your direction in life. Not to mention, you can hear Annalisa set the reset button and how she arrives as a professor and departs as a... I'll have to listen to find out. Would you throw out your phone if you could use one without a screen? No desk scrolling? Mike Yanni fills in for Handy Andy Barrar and looks at a new piece of AI-driven technology that could be the future of phones, Star Trek pin on your shirt style. And are you okay with EV batteries for your car? What about scratchy scratch tickets? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. I have this little fantasy. It's a fantasy that nobody knows my name and you get to rebuild everything. And I, I don't say that from a place of being ungrateful, please understand. But sometimes when the stress of life gets to you and the people around you, friends, family, you name it, starting over would be really cool. I think it's tempting. And I, I think that it's, it's an interesting notion. It's the opposite of the Cheers TV show where everybody knows your name. To go to a place where nobody knows your name. Anonymity is a wonderful thing. What is starting over? Oh, maybe it's a new house. Maybe it's a new city. Maybe it's new relationships. Maybe it's new hobbies. I think that's so cool. How amazing would it be to have nobody know you? There's no backstory. Everything that you create from here forward would be brand new. The challenge, I would think, would be to let go of your own stories that you tell yourself that get in your own way. If you ever found, if you ever wanted to find what self-sabotage looks like, I would imagine if you were able to start over completely, have nobody know anything about you, and it kind of ends up the same way as it did last time, mm, that one might be on you, friend. This is where we're welcoming uh, welcoming in Annalisa in Relay, USC Suzanne Dwarak Peck School of Social Work. Annalisa joins us from California, professor of social work. Starting over, Annalisa, what, um, how does starting over land for you? Well, I, I also am quite intrigued with this idea of no backstory and everybody, you know, getting to be who they want to be and, and recreate themselves. I was thinking, you know, during your introduction, like, yeah, that would be really cool, except we would still be the same. Um, so your point in like us getting in our own way um, is well taken. Um, for me, I think in my work and in my life, it's always happened like when you have these transitions um, that are, you know, some of it is like, you know, you, you graduate from high school, you start college, you, you know, get a new job, like you said, get in, move to a new city. Um, but, you know, that idea of really being able to start over, I think part of that is a lot of internal work too. So letting, letting go yeah. um, is to me the other side of starting over. Yeah, that's it's very difficult. And this I think that's actually where it sort of dovetails dovetails together and it's kind of nice as well. Ryan um O'Donnell, the content producer here, had recently gone to see his partner Laura's um dorm and, and university. He hadn't been there yet. He was able to meet that new circle of friends. And that's where conversation really started around starting over because 
even if your friends you have today are great friends, they're great people, they also carry that bias of history, those memories and all the things. And that's a beautiful thing to reminisce about. Sit down over a beer. Hey, remember that time we did this? I mean, I think that's great. At the same time, though, getting to see someone that's one of your favorite people in a absolutely new environment with there. So there's no reason that anybody's your friend when you go away to university, except for the fact that if you've chosen them to be there, it wasn't circumstance necessarily. Like it might've been in the past. We were in the same class for five years. We played on the same hockey team forever. Our parents were friends. That's quite circumstantial. Now it might've worked out, but to me, I'm kind of borders line on the notion of an arranged marriage. I mean, there are some beautiful marriages that were arranged Mm -hmm. marriages and they've worked out beautifully. But at the same time, it was kind of put together. This is different to me. Yeah, starting over or be, or transitioning into you know a new space, so uh, you know, big or small. I think that that is um, one of the pieces that makes it distinct is this intentionality. Um, so you know, you mean to, even if something circumstantial happened to you, you know, you've gone through maybe even a horrible trauma and you are forced to start over. Um, You, as you're older, especially doing it, are much more intentional because, you know, the, the gift of our past is if we're radically honest with ourselves, we know what worked and what didn't, Um, you know, to your point earlier. And it's like, so we should make different choices. Um, And that's what that Mm -hmm. lets you do. I think if you're willing to start over uh, or if you have to. Yeah. Or if you have to, and that's a good point. I think it's a really good point because sometimes you do have to start over. And yet my philosophical self says every moment of every day, there's no reason why you have to allow the influence of all these things to come in. I mean, sure, sometimes maybe you live with your parents or your kids are living with you still. And so there are responsibilities there. Uh, The word duty is a big word that we take on for sure. But at the same time, there's no reason why you can't try to take on starting over right now. I mean, you can do it right now. Uh, yes, 100%. I agree with you. And I think like the the danger with, you know, what you were saying, like responsibility, duties, et cetera, is that it's really easy to feel comfortable in our status quo. It's mm-hmm. really easy to say, I'm comfortable where I am and, and, you know, maybe it's not the best version of me. Maybe it's not exciting every day, but it's good enough or people are taken care of that I'm supposed to take care of. Um, and I think people talk themselves out of, you know, even the smallest ways that they can start over or, or, you know, do what they want to do. So tell me what you think of this. Annalisa is uh, does so a professor of social work. So inside social work, I mean, really, my understanding of social work, while you do um, counsel people through experiences traumatic, usually traumatic, I think that's pretty safe to say, um, but you're, you're counseling them through them to create a new outcome that works, becomes workable, not necessarily fantasy or dreaming, but it becomes workable. I mean, imagine that's, is that a safe assumption? Yeah, of, I mean, it becomes, uh, simplistically? it becomes stable, right? Like a lot of people are just aiming for some consistency of stability. Um, mm-hmm. But it's by no means, you know, like you said, wish fulfillment or fantasy, or, or even like, you know, being able to live in their truest expression. A lot of people are just trying to survive yeah. and 
Yeah, and I was I was given that recently where I was talking about qualifications for this experience and the way they described it to me. And they said, look, you've done a really great job um, treading water and surviving and making your way, navigating these experiences. I'm being uh, vague just to protect yeah. privacy on, on that one. And then the way that the way that they said was, is that we need to get you in front of some specific training so you can swim in that moment, not just tread water. And I thought that was a great example of certain scenarios in our lives because we could be swimming wildly at work, treading water at home. We could be swimming at home with our partner and treading water in social environments with people we don't know or at work. So it doesn't mean it's the same everywhere. Yeah, it isn't. And there's also our, our choice to, um, I mean, maybe we are able to express ourselves, you know, to, to who we authentically are better at home or, or better at work, because maybe people, we can reinvent ourselves, you know, in, in mm -hmm. a workspace. Um, I think like moving towards that really comprehensive, like where we're doing it all the time, um, or where we feel safe doing it all the time or brave doing it all the time um, is if we compartmentalize less. So if it's less mm. like, okay, I'm a great swimmer, you know, out at work, but at home I have to follow all these other rules. And so treading water and not drowning is the best I could do. Um, and I, I mean, I think that takes, I mean, it takes a person, but it also takes the people around us to be willing to, to support that, you know? Mm -hmm, that does make sense. And I, that also would make sense. Again, assumptions about social workers, that that's why in lots of cases, social workers usually have to remove somebody from a situation, create stability before anybody could be re, uh, possibly reintroduced back in the situation. Uh, that, that sounds like it all sort of fits. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, I think that's a, a myth of social work. We we try to do everything possible to maintain um, homes, communities, situations um, before we do something as drastic as removing, mm -hmm. unless there's really direct abuse and violence happening. Um, right. Well, I'm glad yeah. to hear that, actually. That's great yeah. news. And yeah. I, and I think that's important, like in our, you know, in what we're talking about, like in terms of starting over is because, you know, oftentimes we're building on something or we're trying to repair something and, and we also have to know when it's okay to quit and say, you know, I got to let this go. It's, it's, it's just not working um, anymore. And I think mm. that's the part that is, you know, to that letting go part that's really difficult. You know, something that I, I will confess that I didn't, I didn't get until recently is that in my wor old world, I used to own a business that we did music programming for okay. businesses. So you go into a restaurant and you would hear the music in there. And I would always consult with my customers and say, you know, the secret to this is not really the songs you add. It's the songs you take mm. out. You got to take out the tired. You got to take out the worn out. You got to take out the no longer relevant. And then <laughs> after owning that business and doing all that consulting, I started to realize a few years later, oh, wait a second, that's kind of life, isn't it? In this consumer-based life, which is uh, I struggle with because I, I like to try to subscribe to a creator-based life. In a consumer-based life, we keep adding more things into our home, more people into our lives, more jobs on our social medias, more accounts, more emails, and we keep adding, 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 but we don't take things out of our lives. Yeah. So removing things in starting over really becomes the key, doesn't it? Isn't it, isn't it ironic that 
nothingness becomes the key to finding something? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you know, we always hear in really drastic situations like, oh, when they hit rock bottom, then they'll know and they'll yeah. have to, you know, rebuild. Um, but I think there's different versions of rock bottom that we don't recognize. Um, you know, mm. like when you, there's like this sociologist and I think in the business literature, Adam Grant talks about languishing and it's like this feeling like nothing's wrong, but nothing's right either. And, yeah. you know, um, I think when you have the privilege to be able to get to more right, at least, you know, um, it to be able to take it is great. But oftentimes we don't notice that, you know, we're not cued in or we're not raised to think that that's wrong you know, to, you know, mm -hmm. and so um, I think we have to, a lot of people wait till they hit that rock bottom or something really dramatic or traumatic happens and you don't have to wait that long. That's yeah. beautiful. One of the ways that I say it is um, being happy is not the same as not being sad. Mm -hmm. And we spend an awful lot of our days just trying to not be sad. So this takes us back full circle to starting over and New Year's Day, it's a wonderful sales pitch and marketing thing of rebuild your life and go back to the gym. And sure, why not benchmark the day? There is, I mean, there's obviously there's some faith things around New Year's and a new year. I mean, that's beautiful. But it doesn't have to be that way. It's tomorrow. Well, we have Monday. Monday, I'll start. And then we have tomorrow's a new day. Well, every single moment we create is different. And, and one of the things that I've always subscribed to as I was trying on shoes one day, if you go try on shoes and they don't fit right, you walk around in them, you sit down, and you're like, nah, they don't look good. Nah, they don't feel good. Nope, not quite the right size, right? Like, nah, they don't fit my feet very well. And then you try on a pair of shoes and you're like, those are my shoes. Yeah. I love them. I'm taking them. And yet we don't try that with starting over. We don't try that in our interpersonal relationships of saying, you know what? I'm going to get together with Annalisa today and I'm going to try this conversation differently. Say Annalisa is that complainer person. You're not, but... Um, you're that complainer person, right? And I'm just going to lead the conversation in a positive way. And when Annalisa says, um, complain, complain, complain about Bob, I'm going to be like, what's your favorite thing about Bob? Yeah. Right? Like there are ways for us to start over in every single moment to try on a new pair of shoes. And if it doesn't work, you take them back, you put it on the shelf and you go, oh, well. And you walk away. We don't worry about the shoes. You don't think about the shoes you didn't buy. And yet we don't do that in our lives. Yeah, I mean, people really think about their lives as like zero sum games. And I think that, you know, the more binary that we think of, you know, something is right or wrong, yes or no, yeah. um, good or mm -hmm. bad, that will keep us in these, you know, safe, but not necessarily happy places. And so you don't take And if we do that, then you don't take a risk on anything. Like, even if it's a conversation, like you said, even if it's like, changing the way that you approach someone, much less trying something new, you know, especially adults, like, like one of my favorite parts about being a professor is, and especially in social work is I get, we get students that are like in their sixties saying, you know, I'm done being a lawyer. I want to help people like really help people in a different way or know mm -hmm. um i just did you know i just sat in on a doctoral defense of a woman who was like in her late 50s you know getting her doctorate and shifting um amazing. yeah it's it's scary but amazing and it's um you know like i said there's there's this deep appreciation for it that 
you know, I have to say it wasn't until I got older that I, you know, began to understand that old, you know, saying that youth is wasted on the on the young <laughs> because this yeah. really kind of beautiful appreciation for change that, um, yeah. you know, folks with experience have. Well, in, in my writing, because I write about mindful use of language, uh, you just said it. You said it. And there's your evidence right there. I'll reflect this back to you. You said a zero-sum game of life is very binary, right or wrong, good or bad. But then you said life is wasted on the young. Well, you can't have young unless That's you right. have old. So you can't think young and old just like you yeah. can't think right yeah. or wrong, right? It's beautiful. Um, my my psychologist is a great story. I mean, talk about left brain, right brain. My psychologist was an engineer and then became a psychologist, right? Yeah. So. Go talk about you're going from spreadsheets to ink blots, really, and that's crazy. Yeah, and and wonderful. I mean, I'm sure they are amazing uh, because they see the world in systems, and so we'll see your psychology in systems too. That's so mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. uh, we, it's beautiful. We, you know, and I think that one of the the biggest challenges about starting over is being so afraid to fail. Um, and, you know, and defining our lives on these very external things, like you mentioned, you know, material things earlier. And I mean, you know, we, so we have to also change how we measure or what we think of as quote unquote winning. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, winning yeah. and losing. See, yeah. I love it. It's happening. It's happening yeah. right now. You can hear it. And that's such a beautiful yeah. part of this. Okay, Annalisa, you are a professor of social work. You love it. I do. This is a tough question I'm going to ask you. I can hear it in the passion in your voice. The, If you could reinvent it, what would it be? I'll start to help um, so you're not on an island with it. I mean, I love what we do here. I love this conversation. For me, being able to... Uh, be with conversation is my favorite bit. If I could, though, I pro and most of the audience will probably recognize this, I would probably become a pilot. There's freedom to not being stuck in a studio that comes with that. And seeing the world, meeting people, I love airports. At the same time, though, I also don't want to see too much behind the wizard's curtain and take away my love for flying and all the bits and pieces. So it is interesting of a crossroads we come to when we start to look at it. But that's for me. If I could do that, if if all of a sudden, you know, radio didn't exist today, where would I go? I would probably go something like that. So we're talking about starting over. Okay. What, um, where do you think that you would go? Um, it doesn't have to be a job. It can be a place. It yeah, can be anything. no, no, no. I, I think I would be a poet. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, really? that surprised me. I was like, okay, wait, what am I going to say? Yeah. I think I would love to be, I mean, in, in any space. I mean, I love to travel really? and yeah. And I, would I love it. Be a poet and write. Yeah. See, doesn't that feel yeah, good? So good. And that one just kind of happened, right? As you. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, one of the key things to starting over is you have to have a very open mind. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm very open to like different ways of thinking. Um, so when you asked that question, I was like, oh my God, I have a hundred, you know, answers to that. But yeah, I, that's what I'd like to do all day. You're a very good listener. Thank you. That's what you do. I think that's what you actually do. I mean, clearly you're educated and you're experienced and you have all the things. I mean, knowledge is a memory. We bank it, we save yeah. it. 
but in your listening, because not only do I feel like you give me the feeling, and maybe this is a social work training thing as well, but you're giving me the feeling that you're hearing me, but I can see you listening to yourself. That's cool. Thanks. I think that that's one of the, if, if there's one skill that I love to impart to my students or that I hope they leave with, it's that their real power, their real superpower is to listen. Um, so many times people are just waiting for their turn to talk. Um, and that's why I think we don't hear ourselves either. Uh, but to that power of listening and of really seeing people, I've been so lucky to have that um, to to have that in my life, and so I know the 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 power that it can have, um, especially when you're working with a lot of the populations that we work with. Uh, you talk about listening is very important. Um, the invitation that I want to give to everybody: if starting over is a thing, you actually might find that you're perfectly happy doing what you're doing. You just want to do it at a different place or you want to stay in the same place and do something different. I mean, you might find anything and that comes directly from listening. One of the tactics, um, Annalisa gave you those suggestions for how to start over. One of mine is I, I write things down. I keep a notepad with me always. And I find that even in this conversation with Annalisa, I mean, I get all kinds of ideas. My brain gets busy. So what I do is I write it down, write down a couple of words, and then I can trust that I'll let it go. Because if I ever need it again, it's there on the page somewhere. And so that's one of the things that I do to try to listen and including listening to myself when that brain gets busy and I'm lying there thinking about, oh, I got to pay this bill and do this whatever yeah. to be with it all and be present to where that integrity lies and what do you want? And that's that's cool. I like this whole starting over yeah, thing. Um, and since you're writing everything down, I mean, I think that is excellent, excellent um, advice. And and just practice for for almost anything is to is to write down and reflect. And then I have a really good friend where he he gets like great ideas all the time. And then sometimes he'll say to me, like, I'm going to take a deep thinking day. And I'm like, oh, wait, what's that? And, you know, mm -hmm. and and if you want to really start over or or transition into something new, you have to give yourself time to do that. It, it, it isn't something that, you know, you could just do like on the fly. Um, you You really have to give yourself that space to think and be in what you're feeling, um, and reflect. Um, yeah, you, and we don't do that sometimes for ourselves. We don't give mm -hmm. ourselves like yeah. that time to deeply oh, think. Yeah. I don't think we do that often at all. Um, to support your point, the, it is interesting in this conversation, Annalisa, cause you said about in social work, in the relationships, that you have to be willing to do the work on yourself inside the relationship, right? And so that's exactly what you're talking about. It's the same thing um, to be able to build that part up and do the work and be there. You can't, and we also talked about that materialistic consumption thing and you can't consume the relationship either. You've got to create inside the relationship. You've got to create an outcome that, that works for you and be willing to do it. And maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but you have to be willing to do that. So it is interesting to me as I listen to this conversation as it unfolds that the patterns are still all there. Like It's all the same, whether we're buying new shoes, as we talked about, or whether we're expecting our shoes to make us happy. You can't do that with your partner and you can't do that anywhere else. So the, I mean, the patterns are repeating itself in the various examples that we're talking about. It's becoming very evident, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, just to add to that, I, I think also we are so risk averse, you know, we, we are <laughs> going to do everything we can um, you know, to, to not take 
you know, these kinds of risks, which we think will equal in loss, um, that, you know, we forget that nothing, there's no guarantees, nothing is promised, you know, like when you were saying, like, you can't expect someone else to make you happy. And um, I, I, to me, when I hear that, I also hear, you, we can't expect anything outside of our own control, you know, so, so in that way, when I think about it in that way, I think it's easier to take risks then because mm -hmm. everything is a risk. <laughs> you know, we're yeah, not everything guaranteed is. anything. Yeah, change is happening whether we yes. like it or not. It's absolutely beautiful. Okay, well, next time we chat, your poems. Okay. And then um, how about that? And uh, do you write poems now? I do, I do, yeah. yes. Do you keep any offhand that you know that are favorites to put you on the spot without your book in front um, of you? No, not in my head. Yeah, yeah I wish I was a spoken okay. word artist, but I'm more of a poet, I think, as I've gotten if, you know, yeah. involved into Okay, well, I'm going to give you one because I know you're driving between San Diego and okay. Los Angeles and all these different things that are going on. You have some time in the car. It's not a poem. I don't consider myself okay. a poet, but I do like to write words uh, in a way that I believe is poetic. I don't know. You can tell me. Okay. Love is the word we use to render the experience of presence and connection. So I'll plant that seed with you. I love that. And see where it lands and um, then you let us know um, what you come up with because I would love to hear it and in fact if you have anything that we can share on our Facebook group a poem that you've written please email oh, it and I would love to I share that because then as soon as you share it you've become one you're a poet so <laughs> I love it yes I will so we've made the change we started over yeah, we did and I sign I started as a professor and I'm signing off as a poet thank you that's done. Change has been made. Uh, Annalisa, it's been such a pleasure. Thank Likewise. you so much. Thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. Barrar is off this week, still on his vacation, getting suits made in another country. <laughs> and uh, Mike Yanni is here, and Mike knows Andy because they're both gadget people. Mike is the gadget guy, and then you have Handy Andy. In fact, some of the best stories about Handy Andy in Vegas come from Mike Yanni, by the way. Um, and you just, like, it's a very Andy Barrar thing to do, to go get suits made in another country, isn't it? When you said that, I started chuckling. I'd turn off my mic and start chuckling because that is so Andy. I can mm -hmm. see him booking his vacation around something like this. Uh, mm -hmm. You know what? I could probably talk to you for the next 20 minutes just about Andy stories. And not only yes. just Vegas. I've traveled around the world with this guy, and he's a character, yeah. as, as all the listeners know. He's a character. He's a character. Well, maybe uh, you are going to be back with us next week. So how about we promise one handy Andy story for next week? And then you can take some time and reflect on something that A, doesn't get you sued and B, um, thrown in jail in another country. I, next I was time just going to say, it's going to take me probably a week to figure out what story I can safely share with listeners. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, but we'll do that. Next week at this time, one story about Handy Eddie from Mike Yanni. Now, Mike, you are here. You are the gadget guy. Um, let's touch on Black Friday here quickly because the 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 scammy scammers are out there. And in fact, there was even I got hoodwinked a little bit by Amazon because they had a, you know, Black Friday deals link and I clicked it. And then the thing that I needed to buy wasn't even really on sale. It was just the normal old price, the same price everywhere. So even though they said, check out some Black Friday deals, I'm sure there was a Black Friday deal somewhere on that page, but it wasn't what I was looking for, but it still fed me um, what it was. So it's kind of like that old school thing where you would hear about businesses on sale days like this. They'd be your $100 item normally is now on sale for $110 because we just for today told you it usually costs 150. There's all kinds of tricks out there. There is. Yeah. And you know, every year I have people reach out to me and they're so excited. They got this amazing deal. They tell me what they bought. And I just kind of go, um, did you mean to buy that specific model? Like there's so many things you got to watch out for. Um, and one of them is, you know, just not getting caught up in the deals and the advertising that something is a set price because you should be aware, and I think I think most of our listeners, you know, they're they're smart, and I think most people realize by now that a lot of stuff that goes on sale, especially when it comes to electronics, are last year models, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Take full advantage of it. That's great. I I fully endorse that. That's great. If you can buy last year's model at a, a good price, go for it. But do your research and know exactly what you're buying. Know what model you're buying and what that model is. For example. You can go out and see, oh, there's a, a television, a 65-inch TV for $4.99 for Black Friday. Okay, but do the research and find out what model it is and find out how many HDMI ports does it have on the back. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why it's $500? Is there only one port where you can only plug in one thing? Is it maybe not 4K and it's only 1080p HD? You know, People tend to overlook things like that until after they bought it and they went, oh, well, it was cheap anyway. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, do your research when, you know, when you're going out. The other thing, which I find fascinating, and actually there was a, a tech website, a fairly known website out of the UK, and they did research over the past year. And they said that they discovered 70% of items that are on sale on Black Friday are actually cheaper any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. But retailers will just say Black Friday and this is the deal and people fall for it. They're like, oh, it's Black Friday. It must be the best deal of the year. There are websites, and I, I usually don't like promote individual websites, but I did run across one called Camel, Camel, Camel. Have you heard about this? No. So you can go to this website, and you can type in um, a product you're looking for, and it actually scans Amazon, and it will find when the best price was over the past year. So it'll tell you whether the price right now for Black Friday is, in fact, the cheapest, or is it more expensive than it was other previous times of the year? And it actually puts it on a chart for you so you can see the price go up and down, up and down. And sometimes, you're right, it drops out to the bottom. And there's a few times where it actually spikes up. And you see the price is actually 30% more than it was two weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, careful that. And the one thing I think we need to talk about, too, is the, the, you know, the scammers, the copycat websites out there. There are, every year, thousands of fake websites created with fake stores. And the thing is, they look legit. If you went on mm-hmm. it, it has the same logos. It has the same um, product images, you know, even right down to the FAQs and um, 
it looks so legit but the fact is you go in there you put all your information in you buy it and then a couple things can happen number one you just don't get anything number two they send you fake merchandise that are knockoffs or number three they literally just collected all your personal information and you don't see or hear from them again and a lot of these scammers it's been proven that these these pop-up stores will actually create dozens of backup sites. So as soon mm-hmm. as the site gets shut down or it gets spotted, the next one pops up. And it looks, once again, exactly the same. The URL is just slightly different, but it's the exact same thing, the exact same store. So my biggest cautionary advice when you're looking for online deals, especially if you see pop-ups on social media for stores, never click on the ad itself. Literally just go to the store. Go to Google, type Google in it, the yeah. URL, you know, whatever it is you're going, go straight there because you know it's going to be mm-hmm. legit. Where's a website link or sorry, something on Instagram or TikTok can take you to any URL and it's yeah. not always noticeable. I So here's a secret. I was suspicious about that one time because I had seen, uh, I always get ads for sweaters for men in my Instagram <laughs> feed at this time of year. And so I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I saw this sweater on a different store in my ads list because whatever. So I went to the store and I looked it up and I was like, okay. And I went looking for something on there that was unique. And I went to, I think there was an about page with a basic about story about we deliver the best products and quality and blah, 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 delivery and three days and all the same thing. What I did was I copied that paragraph and I Googled that paragraph. I found dozens of stores with exactly the same about page selling exactly the same projects, products at different prices. Yeah. And so whether it was a scam completely or not, or just some A-B testing marketing, which is possible, you know, let's call our store, you know, Steve's Sweater Shop and call the other store best sweaters in the world and see which one sells better, right? Right. And, um, or have, they could have Canada's best sweaters, Australia's best sweaters. They could have all kinds of different things. So maybe not always a scam, but if you do that, if you copy a piece of content from their site and Google it, it will bring up every page that has exactly the same thing. I can go on to a forum today and pay a guy a hundred bucks and he will go on and I'll say, what site do you want a duplicate of? Mike Yanni's gadget guy site. I want to rip that one off. And I will literally get a duplicate version of your site. They will scrape all the programming and have it done for me in about an hour. And probably for next to nothing. Yeah, for a hundred bucks or something. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. And you know, I'd like yep. to say, you know, one of the, the best things to do is go and read reviews for sites or for stores. But that's even hard too because of the forums and the bots and, you know, people posting reviews of a store that probably doesn't exist. And, you know, AI mm-hmm. is obviously not helping that at all because you can just hammer out those reviews just instantaneously if you want. But I mean, you should still at least try to look up reviews, especially if it's a story you've never heard about. Because yeah, I don't know about you, but my social media feed is just full, especially, yeah, the Christmas sweaters right now. I don't know what that says about you and I, but yeah, right. <laughs> I'm it getting a lot, a, lot. <laughs> a lot of pop-ups for the Christmas sweater stores right now. Um, yeah. And it's getting tougher and tougher to know what's legit out there. Well, and I think you have to consider how is it possible for a store that markets all over the world to only make Christmas sweaters and only have a delivery window of about two or three weeks, right? I mean, there has yeah. to be that question mark when you ask yourself um, where that that is. Because Christmas only happens one time a year, and yet... A winter sweater store happens twice a year, depending on what hemisphere you're in, right? So th- that in itself is a little bit of common sense on this. This is good advice. Mike Yanni's here filling in for Handy Andy Barrar. Okay, there is a pin 
that is like AI. That means you don't have to have a phone, but it'll do all the things. Sounds like Star Trek and so much more. We'll learn from Mike Yanni coming up next. It's The Shift. This is The Shift Podcast. In Star Trek, you touch the pin, it does all the work. In today's world, I get sucked into death scrolling on my phone. I would love to be able to have my phone do less unless I needed it to do more. So I'm sitting on the fence and I'm a hypocrite. But it is appealing to think that I could actually have full access to the things I need without getting sucked in. Well, that doesn't work very well for all the app companies and phone companies and all that stuff. Mike Yanni's filling in for Handy Andy Barrar here on The Shift. He's the gadget guy. You can catch him on Global in the mornings. Mike, what do you got with this new technology pin thing? So this is called the Humane AI pin. And I'm going to say I think I am most excited about this tech products and gadget than anything I've seen probably in the last five years. Like, think, think about it, Shane. Think about what has gotten you super excited over the last five years? Has there been a smartphone? Has there been a tablet? Has there been a television that's like, wow, this is a game changer? Can you think of anything in maybe the last five years? Not as a game changer. Not not as a game changer. There's been a couple of things uh, that have made me feel excited to mm-hmm. buy product. Like I haven't bought a new iPhone in a couple of years. I did buy the Samsung Flip because I, I did like that. So that that was excitement, but not a game changer. You're right, though. I, I would say the foldable screen phones are that's that was kind of exciting, mm-hmm. but but not other a game than changer. That it's been no, not really a game changer. But other than that, there hasn't been anything that really will change things like the concept of the humane AI pin. So let's let's talk about this pin. It's about the size of a box of Tic Tacs, and it's a badge, and it just clips onto your clothing, and it weighs approximately the size of a or the weight of a tennis ball. So the idea is you can do everything that you can do on your smartphone, but it's all with your voice. And what I like about this concept, and I say concept, it's only been out for four days on the market, that it's supposed to do everything with real language, like the way you and I talk. You don't have to say Mm. a specific way for it to trigger. Because it's using artificial intelligence built in, it's supposed to be able to recognize your voice and just do what you tell it to. And the cool thing is you don't have to tell it to, let's say, play music from Spotify. You don't have to worry about apps. Everything is baked into this device and you just have to say play music and it's gonna do supposedly what you tell it to. And I think the interesting thing about this device is, and I think you already alluded to this when you're talking about Star Trek, this device, when you think about the marketing and the idea behind it is everything that we thought the future yeah. is or going to be. So yeah. think about this. It has a built-in microphone. So it's supposed to be able to auto-translate languages on the fly. Whoa, it, that'd it be amazing. Hears, it hears somebody talking, and it just tells you right away what they said, just instant like that. Um, the built-in camera, you're supposed to be able to hold up a piece of, let's say, a piece of fruit. And by talking to this device, you can say, well, I'm on a low calorie diet. This is my limit for the day. What is the nutritional value of this banana? And it's supposed to tell you all that information instantaneously. So you know, yes or no, should you have this or should you avoid this fruit? There's no input other than your voice. So there's no keyboard. There's no screen. 
So it has actually a projector built in that can project onto the palm of your hand if you want to see the readout of, let's say, a text message that came in. And after it's already you know, said what's you know, in somebody's voice, what they, to- what they told you, if you need to see it, you can actually project it onto your hand. Hmm. So I love the idea of this, but the big question I think everyone has is, is it really going to be any good? Yeah. You know? That's interesting. And not only that, but it makes my ideas go. And if you have one and I have one and it's listening with AI, it wouldn't have to send your voice message to me. It would just send you the text of it. But because it knows your voice, in theory, it could read it in Mike Yanni's voice to me and it would sound just like you and do kind of the deep fake world. And it wouldn't have to transfer the voice anymore because it could just do the voice. Yeah. There's so many questions I have about this device. And I, I full disclosure, I don't have one. Uh, it's only available in the States right now, technically. So I knew that even if I requested a product, they would not send it. That being said, I, I scoured the internet because I was so curious. It only came up four days ago. I was so curious about what people are saying about it. And the fact is, it looks like they really didn't send out any product to really, I couldn't really find a solid review from anyone who's physically tried it. This is created by a group of former Apple employees. So the smart people behind it, but they're also- it looks like that too, by the way. Right? And also brilliant marketing behind it. This actually made its debut at the Paris uh, Fashion Week. It just showed up. Naomi Campbell walked out for, I forget what brand of clothing it was, and she was wearing one. Nothing was said that this was going to be on, on exhibit or on show or hit the runway. People are just like, wow, what's that? And people started talking about it. And then it was revealed that this was the first time we've ever seen this pin. We've heard about the pin before, but no one's seen it until Fashion Week. And that was the big debut. And they're using things like that for marketing. You know, you, we're talking about it, and yet no one's mm. tried it. They didn't do any real life demos leading up to the launch, which kind of like makes you question everything. It's like, okay, if we're not showing any demos, how legit is this? But then you kind of think about Apple with the iPad. They didn't do any demos before the launch. So it is smart how they're doing the marketing. But I I think there's some obviously real life concerns here too. I don't know about you, but I want a screen. Sometimes I like to kill time. If I'm sitting in the doctor's office, maybe I do want to death scroll on Instagram or or whatever social media platform it is. So I think missing that screen is kind of tough because you're not going to have that projector on your hand the entire time. It's not really meant for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the voice wow. assistant, because there's no inputs, how would you feel, Shane, about being on transit and asking the assistant that's built in a personal question where everyone's yeah. going to hear you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And 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 then you're going to everyone else is going to hear the answer unless maybe it yeah. connects to AirPods or something like that that you've got in your ear or or something. Um, Here's the neat part though, Mike. It looks like a tiny miniature square iPhone is what it really looks like. Yeah. But it's cheap. With a catch. You're right. It's $700 US. Mm -hmm. However, you do have to pay a 24 monthly fee, dollar monthly fee because it is tied to one of the American carriers. So Mm -hmm. you need basically a cell plan for this to function properly. And that's why I think I don't even know, and I haven't really dug into it. I'm curious if you can buy one, get it shipped to Canada, if it'll work. Because I remember iPhones, right. when they first came out, you could get it to work because one of the carriers in the States kind of was similar to Canada, and it did work. It might work, but they're certainly not sending any review units up for us to test it out. So 
your um, twenty questions. Yeah, twenty questions. You you have uh, you've created some some curious things here because when you say that they're ex Apple people and you look at the accessories, first of all, it's all USB C for charging uh, and wireless, which is which is fantastic. Uh, but it, it's it's stylized similarly. It, but the it's not priced the same. So. Apple cases are a hundred and some bucks. We can get one for 15 bucks on Amazon. Exactly the same case. Yep. They have cases and protector things and all of this, but it's like 29 bucks. It's far more reasonable. So it seems to be quite the swipe at some of the existing structures that are out there for how much they cost. Right. And, and speaking of design, I don't know if you caught this, if you looked it up online, the battery is just magnetic mount. It actually comes oh, with swappable no batteries. So you can, it comes with that. two extra ones, so you can swap, which kind of also leads to the question too, how much energy is this draining? <laughs> if you need two other swappable batteries that come with it. But yeah, you're right, you I mean, be... the price point's really fascinating because it is, I would say somewhat affordable. So why are they doing that? Is it to try to convince more people to buy in? Uh, because I wonder if they jack the price up to $3,000, would that create more of a demand? Because like, whoa, this must be something. If it's that expensive, you have FOMO, right? And sometimes yeah. you want to go out, you have to be the first early adopter and buy it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for them. If it's going to take I off. Think, I have an idea. Mm -hmm. I think it's like that because it's a wearable and they know that in order for you to be able to coordinate with your outfits, you're going to have three or four of them. That's smart too. They don't Until have they to sell it for $2,000. Yeah, they don't have to come out with, with they don't have to have them at um, $2,000 because you're going to buy three of them because you need black and white and blue for your blue suit, right? Stuff like that. And so I, I, it's interesting, man. This is fascinating. And I feel like this could be, I think you're right. Now that I've heard the whole story, this could be one of those things that's a game changer. Uh, to me, AirPods would be some sort of headphone would probably be the secret to make it more comfortable. I love the idea behind it. I really do. And I, I kind of want the secretly to take off in a sense because just the idea of having to not open up apps and just having AI know exactly what you want, like this is kind of where they're going with it. So even if the AI pin doesn't take off, I'm super excited to see where does it go from here. So let's say this flops. Okay, but what about the next generation? Or what about, like yeah. you said, like AirPods or other wireless headsets with this built in? I think it's an exciting jumping off point to see where we can take AI and what it creates. So I think bottom line is it's not really necessarily this specific pin that I'm excited about. I love the idea, the concept, and the fact that this is something new and we're mm -hmm. going to be seeing more of it. This is just the first real bold generation, somebody that actually started something that to see where we can take it, I think. Yeah. And it's cool. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This is fantastic stuff. Thank you, Mike Yanni, the gadget guy filling in for Handy Andy. Mike promises one story next week that shouldn't get people arrested uh, to understand what Handy Andy is uh, like. He's off this week. He's traveling the world to get suits because he needed to justify a vacation somehow. And that's what he's done. And so that's a very Andy thing to do. Mike, thanks for being here, brother. I'm going to have to start thinking about a story now. You do. Walk cautiously. <laughs> <laughs>
That's our phone number. Les from Hamilton says, I think the pin is cheap because they're making money on the back end with the information they'll collect from it. Well, maybe, but they, it's not cheap. It's $700 US. It's just that it's the smaller, way smaller than a cell phone. So it should be a lot cheaper by size. And I think if you actually went to the, I don't know, the weight of the phone or the size of the phone per dollar, it's probably more expensive than a phone because this has no screen, but it does have a projector and it's so amazing are you okay with well this little humane ai pen is where we're going to start right on all um i love the idea and it's connected to tidal for music which is one of your favorite music sources that you you think is the best way to listen mm, to music well i love tidal i think tidal is by far the best streaming service however tidal for music tidal is so expensive i am an audiophile right i want the best quality sound when I'm out and about with my nice headphones on. And Tidal has by far the best quality that you can get streaming. However, it's almost $30 a month for the good quality streaming. And so I cut Tidal and went to Apple Music because they have better than Spotify, but not as good. It's the nice middle ground. I'll tell you though, if that AI pin, if I bought one of those and they said you get free title for the next year or so, I would that would make me want to buy the thing more. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. I think it's amazing. The link is up at shiftheads.ca. Give it a little look. It looks just like an older iPhone, just tiny little small. And I, it's more like uh, the iPod shuffles. Remember those little iPod shuffles? Oh, I had one. Yeah, Lost on an it, airplane. It's that size, um, roughly. I just think it's cool. It projects onto your hand and you do your start and stop your music with hand gestures. I mean, you look, you look really silly on a bus with your yes, hand. Yes, you would look <laughs> very silly on a bus. Weird. And the, like Mike had said, the open conversation with no speaker, they say that the speaker works in a way that it's a little bit more private to you. I think headphones is the key. That stuff's wicked. I can't wait. That's a game changer. I think he's right. I'm Shane Hewitt. I'm in the city of Airdrie. Ryan O'Donnell is Calgary downtown. John Chung is Vancouver downtown. Are you okay with EVs? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I th- I think electric vehicles are 100% the way of the future. I think the world will be a better place when every car is an electric vehicle. However... I don't think that's tomorrow. I don't think that's in five years. I don't think that's in 10 years. I think that's like when I'm in my 50s, honestly, at the pace. Uh, the technology is amazing what the cars can do. Electric vehicles are very fun to be in. They make very funny sounds when they drive. It, it mm-hmm. sounds like you're in a little spaceship. Manifest. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I think it's fantastic. It's just, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever quite... I don't know if they'll be a, as what's the word I'm looking for mass adopted by the masses until you can go to a station and charge your car in 30 seconds, the way you fill up your tank at the gas station, you know, well, and like that's that. exactly why I don't think that they're going to be the way of the future. I think that, um, they, I think electric drive motors will be the way of the future, but I think there will be some sort of engine that drives it. And whether it's something else like a, some fancy nuclear, spaceship looking thing or or um even hydrogen i think is probably better off in the short term that'll drive electric motors so i think that it's going to change driving cars is going to change without a doubt and that's probably a good thing Mm -hmm. 
the way we have it is so convenient. I don't think it's going to be electricity because our electric grid is just can't handle it. It can't even handle it now. They're, they threat brownouts when it gets hot. So imagine if everybody had electric cars, right? I mean, they, it's so expensive to fix the electric grid as it is. Or go the other frame and say, it's going to force them to fix the electric grid and make it more reliable. So maybe that's a thing. So I don't think it's the way of the future. And I have my own story about batteries in an electric car that I will share after this story. EVs are fun to drive. Acceleration is great. Speeds are great. Toys are great. Save you on gas. Fixing them, on the other hand, not so great. A Stony Creek, Ontario person called Global News after his all-electric vehicle stopped working. Simrat Such was told by a Hyundai dealer that it would cost an absurd amount of money to install a new battery. That's what it would take to fix his 2017 Hyundai Ioniq. And when we say it's an absurd amount of money, it's an absurd amount of money. Hyundai's 2017 Ioniq was launched in New York with great fanfare in 2016. A hybrid version and a fully electric model bought by Such. He was the second owner, but the car still had lots of warranty left on the electrical system and battery at the time. And since Such had previously owned a different electric vehicle, he was a believer. I didn't have any issues with my first vehicle, so thought it would be the right avenue to try a second vehicle. He had no issues with the car until this happened. I had an EV light come on. I had taken it to the shop. They couldn't find anything wrong. But there was indeed a problem. Two weeks after that, the vehicle stopped charging. The dealership in Hamilton said he needed the battery replaced. The quote stunned him. I was provided a quote at $50,000. Between the battery installation and taxes, it totaled just over $50,000. I was just floored. Especially because his 160,000 kilometer electric vehicle warranty had just run out. The dealer in Hyundai told Such there was nothing they could do. I still had to pay $500 for them to tell me the car's no good. Stories like this one are the kind to scare off buyers concerned about the high cost of electric vehicle repairs. When confronted with the choice to fix or dispose of his powerless Hyundai Ionic, he chose the latter. I ended up scrapping the vehicle and collecting uh, around $1,000. But when Global News asked Hyundai Canada to investigate, we were told there'd been a communications breakdown at the head office level. The case should have been escalated immediately for additional review. They told us we extend our sincere apologies to Mr. Such for these lapses, adding it wanted to resolve this situation by paying fair market value for his vehicle, either in cash or towards a new Hyundai as part of our commitment to our customers. Okay. Hmm. That's Global Sean O'Shea, by the way. $50,000, quote, more than 50000 He had to pay five hundred for them to tell him it was not reparable. And he scrapped it. Now, unsurprisingly, many customers are sticking with conventional uh, and hybrid vehicles because of concerns about the high cost of repairs when batteries fail. And a lot of people are sticking to uh, conventional vehicles because of the sorting out what goes into the batteries to begin with. And so here's the thing. I'm not surprised by this. I was looking at the BMW i3. It is an amazing car. It's a little compact that's electric. Is that the fully you get electric it with a range one, extender. The, the cool kind of futuristic looking one? It's like the pod one. It's not the race car. Yeah. Which it looks yeah. more like a bubble. There's like that one, and then there's the supercar. They kind of look Oh, similar. they've got a bunch now. They've got i3, yeah. i5, i7. Yeah. Right. And then they've got the 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 yeah, fast one, i8. So it's uh, it's quite amazing. Actually, I saw an i7 when I was at Stanley Park in Vancouver. Starting price mm-hmm. 155000 goes up to 265000 for that car. It looks like a Rolls Royce. Just a stunning automobile. So imagine what that would cost to replace the batteries. You hope it would be similar. 
than this guy. $50,000 for his batteries. When I was looking at the i3, I said to them, I said, well, can you quote me if you had to replace the batteries today? They wanted, it was a demo car that was like $75,000. And I was like, Ooh. and they, they said, well, it's a demo. So we'll give it to you for 60 if you want to take it this weekend. And I'm like, they're trying to get rid of this thing. Opportunity. Hello. So I said, then we'll tell you what, before we talk any further about the price, can I, can you give me a quote on what it would cost to replace the batteries in this car today? I realize it'll change over time and it might get cheaper, but what does it cost today? And they did. It was amazing. It was amazing customer service from then to do that because it allowed me to have a really good look at what it was. I thought that was, I was impressed by that. $39,000. No, 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 no. $60,000 for the demo version of the car, $39,000 to replace the batteries. Now, I had also read on the forums and the batteries seem to be lasting quite long and all of those things. Good, please. But if that's the case, that's $39,000 for a BMW. Now, most of these batteries aren't standardized either. You can't just go to Costco and buy new ones, which is part of the problem, right? It's all hmm. proprietary technology for the car brand. That'll start to change. That'll get things better. But does that make you hesitate? I know, Ryan, you you like the notion of electric cars. Does that make you hesitate a little bit? Slow I down mean, the timeline? <sighs> I guess yes and no. It would ha make me very hesitant about the immediate future of purchasing an electric car, especially a used electric car. I mean, for mo the average person right now, we can't afford a $500 expense, not a $50,000 expense. And so, you know, minor repairs to a car, uh, a traditional combustion engine car, are a lot cheaper than the EV. So I think it's... I. Like you said, it's not surprising, but it kind of fits into my philosophy on EVs that one day they will be the cream of the crop in the words of Macho Man Randy Savage. But right now, it's probably best uh, to be cautious and understand that you're going to save a lot of money on gas and it's probably going to get you where you need to go really efficiently, but you might suffer a consequence that, uh, you know, $50,000. That's a lot of money. I haven't even spent that much money on sneakers. Like, that's wow. a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I, I, I even don't, don't even know if it's to save a lot of money on gas is even a thing so much because the cost of electricity is rising. And I know that you go to some places and you have to pay. It's not like it's free everywhere. You're paying in your bill. It's, you know, it might only be as opposed to $400 in fuel. Maybe you're paying $80 more on your power bill. But it's certainly not free. And if you're filling up at someone else's uh, service station, you could be paying $30 for a recharge, depending on where you are. So th that's not free, right? It's not free electricity. It's not free driving. And so it's a reduction in the cost, but it's not free. Not for $50,000 in batteries, I can tell you that much. You know how much you would have to save? You would need to drive. You would need to save... Even if it was $400 and you did it for $100 a month, $400 in gas, that's $300 a month, $3,600, 10 years, rough math, you're looking at 13 to 15 years of driving that car based on fuel savings alone to cover the cost of replacing that battery. That was quick math. That could be wrong. Are you okay with sc scratchy scratch tickets? Scratch tickets. 
Scratch tickets. Scratch Scratch. tickets. Yeah, well, it's close. Yeah. Scratch tickets. Yeah, they're like addictive. I don't like to buy lotto tickets, uh, but I would say once in a blue moon, I'll pick up a $5 scratch ticket and lose $5. I've, mm. uh, I'm kind of riding the wave of my mom. When she, when we were, this is probably like 10, 15 years ago, we were sitting in a grocery store parking lot and she scratched, won $100, scratched the bottom part of the car, won $50, and scratched the other corner of the card and won another $100 all in one card. And ever since wow. that day and hearing, oh my God, we won all this money. Uh, yeah, I've I've definitely kind of craved that win, but it's not going to happen. I'm aware. No, I no. miss the like. Uh, I think that you've got it all wrong. By the way, Ryan, just so you know, oh, your perspective okay. is wrong, because you just said, you know, I lose my five bucks. No, no, my friend, you're just donating the five dollars to the gambling a cause that they reinvest in local charities and sporting oh. things. That's See, so, so you gotta just right. change the. Doesn't it feel better when you're like, I just donated five bucks to help kids play soccer? Aw, right? I so feel nice worse. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I I miss the old days of going to like the Legion and having the tearaway ones. Um, and, but but the the pros on those ones kind of like the um the the pros on the VLTs. They're like tap 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 so quick. They don't even really play the game. Right. Those tearaways were always fun, but then you could like pull them all at once and people would be like, pull, drop, pull, drop, pull, drop. That's not even fun. Anyway, um, if you were given $20,000 in lottery tickets by accident, what would you do? I'd start scratching. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Hit the story there, John. This is a joke, thinking it's like, like a joke tickets until I looked at the receipt and it valued $20,000 worth of scratch tickets. It was no joke. Danielle Alexandrov had $20,000 worth of mass lottery tickets delivered to her East Falmouth office by FedEx this morning. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And then as I'm discussing with, you know, um, one of my employees, we our values are like, do the next right thing. And so uh, we looked at the receipt where it's supposed to go and went to return the box. It turns out the tickets were supposed to be delivered down the street to Kenyon's Market, a well-known lottery store in East Falmouth. They had no comment on the story. But in the end, Danielle did the right thing. She returned the tickets to the rightful lottery agent for future sales. But Mass Lottery has a reminder for all of us about unused lottery tickets. That these tickets, until they're activated by a retail agent, there's really no value to them. If someone tried to take one of these tickets, it was a winning ticket, brought it to a retail location, there would be a message that would flag it and they'd be unable to cash the ticket. Now, uh, that's a woman in Massachusetts. Um, WCVB is the channel. Unsurprisingly, FedEx did not respond. Uh, to the request for comment because they dropped off $20,000 in scratchies to the wrong house. Would you be tempted? I'd be tempted. Well, yeah, of course I'd be tempted, but it makes sense that they're not. I would. But it would be, uh, I, I don't would I do even, this? I realize they're not going to give me the money. Yeah. But you'd want to scratch to see if any of them are winners. To I want to know like if twenty thousand of them if are. If there's twenty thousand one dollar tickets, yeah, right, or yeah. four thousand five dollar tickets, I want to know. Okay, if you bought twenty thousand dollars worth of scratchies, does anybody? How much do you actually win on twenty thousand? That's a reasonable sample to check mm -hmm. the odds. In fact, we should 
ask for the company to give us $20,000 just for the science. Yeah. And then, you know, we can, you can donate, donate the, <laughs> the winnings to yeah. a cause you see fit. There you go. That's a great idea. Also this year, a house cleaner in Massachusetts found a million dollar lot of scratch off while cleaning her client's home. And her boss reaped the rewards. Man told officials his cleaner found a ticket in a vase and suddenly he was a million dollars richer. How much do you give the cleaner? Because um, he apparently lost the ticket. I would, I would, I, I don't know the money off the top of my head, but definitely like a, a decent amount, like at least, like I don't know, I don't know, like ten thousand dollars. Oh my god, maybe? really? Yeah, probably. I a million bucks? Like That's a lot of money. Two hundred fifty thousand out of a million. But I wouldn't do it that way. I would take the million, invest the million, and tell them you can have fifty thousand dollars a year for ten years. Yeah, okay. I'll do whatever Shane just said. That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.